Welcome to the Monday edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole. I am joined, as always, on Mondays by Ben Brown. Ben, we have a NFC North classic matchup here on Monday night. Vikings, Bears. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about what we saw on Sunday. We'll do our normal buying, selling, holding on different trends. So I'll... I'll pose it to you first. There's been a little bit of a shakeup here in the NFC West. Most people think it's the best conference in football. The Seattle Seahawks, after starting off extremely strong, have now lost three out of their last four, which I believe puts them behind the Rams and the Cardinals now, the surprise team in first place there in the division, who the Seahawks face this coming week. So who are you buying now, Ben, as the team likely to win the division here um by as we get out of the regular season yeah i mean it's basically the question heading out of week 10 at this point right like i don't know i've been buying into seattle the last couple weeks and they've definitely let me down i think they basically had our simulation had their night uh, their playoff chances at right around 95 percent before this week we had them at 66 percent chance to win the division before this week according to our simulation with a loss um that basically dropped it down basically 16 percent to win the nfc west that doesn't take into account necessarily the cardinals uh winning outright like they did at uh, against the bills at this point in time um so from that perspective i don't know i kind of i kind of don't mind arizona i'm still not a believer in the rams if i had to rank them at this point in time i'd probably say uh, Cardinals 1A, Seahawks 1B, and then uh, Rams possibly 3, but I could be completely backwards at this point in time because I've kind of been off on the NFC West uh, in general, I feel like, throughout 2020. So I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's like the best division in football, but um, yeah, it's definitely the most compelling at this point in time. What, where are you stacking the NFC West? I don't know. I mean, I think I like I like the Rams a lot only because I feel like obviously, you know, they're coming off a team that went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They have that solid foundation. The Cardinals are a bit up and down. I and mean, when we saw today, just how lucky they got uh, to win on that Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe I'm believing in them slightly more. And I guess my, my problem has always been with the Seahawks that I just wasn't certain that Russ could continue to play at such a high level with the defense that is just going to continue to bleed points like that, whether that'll end up happening or not. So I guess a better question is, well, not a better question, but another question is if we see that there's only 16% chance they win the division, Russ is now going to be far behind the others as far as different advanced <laughs> metrics are concerned. Um, I think he's tied at least preliminary grades. It looks like for the season, he's, he's tied with Patrick Mahomes now while being way behind him in efficiency, you know, way behind Rogers and both um, is the door shutting on Russell Wilson MVP after I'm trying to think of how many weeks ago it would have been. I guess maybe it was three weeks ago. Three, three. Yeah. He was, he was probably uh, greater than 50% implied probability of winning, which was, which is very healthy, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any scenario where the team that doesn't finish first or second, basically in the AFC or NFC doesn't have the MVP, especially this year. I do think that it's obviously going to be Patrick Mahomes is probably like the easy layup vote at this point in time. There's nobody really emerging on the Steelers side, especially offensively. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger 
Ben Roethlisberger is necessarily been uh, good enough or you know efficient enough to actually warrant an MVP discussion at this point in time. So it kind of comes down to um, you know Patrick Holmes, Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the football, and then you're getting into some ulterior players, basically like you know maybe Josh Allen if you know the Bills win the AFCs, which they're projected to do at this point in time. I don't know if you can necessarily get on board with that, but I mean, so so this is the thing. Like if the Saints end up winning the NFC South. How is Tom Brady actually going to be in that relevant uh, MVP discussion is kind of like my argument at this point in time. I do think that you actually need to win your division probably to be in the discussion for the MVP candidacy, but um, that might be just like a hierarchy at this point that is probably maybe not uh, reflective in 2020, but I don't know. who are How are you stacking up the MVP race? You're a little bit more in tune with it, I think, than I am at this point. Yeah, I mean, I've been taking Mahomes for, for a while going forward. I think it's going to be pretty tough for Russ. I mean, the thing is there are other guys who you would think have a pretty good shot. Let's say like Murray or Josh Allen or Tom Brady, but the reality is their odds were very, very long going into this week. And I think there is a reason for that. Um, I mean, even Josh Allen, he almost had what would have been a great victory, but if you look at that game, not only was it a basically like a flat EPA type of efficiency performance, which wasn't that great, but he had two interceptions and he easily could have been like five if you watched, right. if you watched him play in that game. So I think as long as he continues to do that, it's just hard to argue for anybody else other than the player who most people think is the best player in the NFL when he's on track to have the best record in the NFL. So right. I, 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 well, well, I guess I guess the Steelers are still there, but I'm a little bit more confident that the that that the Kansas City Chiefs will continue to go along, and we'll see how the Steelers are able to do going forward. Yeah, I definitely like that synopsis. So let's see. Let's stay in the AFC. Basically, we do have the Steelers undefeated at nine and zero. Chiefs eight and one coming out of their bye. We can maybe assume that the Bills are probably going to win the AFC East at this point in time. They are seven and three. The Colts six and three in the AFC South. I'm wondering how are you kind of evaluating these last three uh, wild card spots in the AFC that hasn't necessarily been um, maybe at you know what we expected at this point in time. I do think that everyone had basically the Chiefs up there and then the Ravens in that second spot, and then it was basically um, you know random after that for who was actually going to lock up the next five playoff positions. I think we we have a little a bit more understanding of who's going to be the division winners at this point in time even though you can make a case probably for the afc east and afc south i uh, could see some fluctuations but i'm wondering how you're kind of evaluating uh maybe the overall afc wildcard playoff picture at this point yeah i mean i don't know you know i, I kind of want to believe in the miami dolphins which right. sounds weird but they have a very nice um plus 69 uh point differential right now they're only half a game out of first place so i think that's important too because they have a path you know i know we're, we're talking wild card but they have a path to get into the playoffs right. potentially by by winning the division and then, you know, after, I mean, I think the Ravens are still the strongest team that's that's likely not to win their division since the Steelers have that locked up. So I'm putting them in there too. Um, the Titans are there. And then the Titans and the Raiders, they're both been, you know, two, six, and three teams, but neither one of them has been extremely impressive. Uh, they're kind of a little bit better than, they're, they're a little bit over uh, zero as far as their point differential. And the Browns, again, they're also six and three, but they're a negative 20 point, 28 points in point differential. So they're probably the weakest one there. So I think the Dolphins are really interesting, especially because that defense is playing well. Now, what we have seen them do now a few weeks in a row is get these defensive scores um, or in huge defensive plays, and that's not going to hold up. So the question will be in a game where they really need to score points, they're not getting any freebies through their defense, whether or not Tua can lead that offense and score enough points. 
uh, to win. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but at least they're in a, a relatively weak division, which can help um, prop them up um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely on board with you on that. I do. I have kind of been a Tua believer, I think, since day one. I actually wrote an offseason article on him to win uh, the Rookie of the Year candidacy. I kind of felt like an idiot to start the season when he wasn't actually even starting at that point in time. But then when he, you know, was announced the starter during their bye week, I was like, you know, I was. I almost tweeted it out. I was maybe going to do some, you know, content around it or something. But I was going to say, you know, if. If the Dolphins somehow sneak into the playoff picture, there's basically no way that Tua doesn't win the Rookie of the Year award at this point in time. And, you know, I'm kind of still buying into that perspective, and I do think that the Dolphins actually have exceeded my expectations since Tua has taken over at quarterback. So I kind of like them sliding into that sixth spot. Uh, I do think the Raiders are probably going to hold fast here in the AFC West, so I do think that they're probably going to get, you know, one more uh wildcard pitcher at this point in time so then it kind of comes down to ravens titans browns for that last spot and no house advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the nba mlb nfl and pga for cash prizes this is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps download the no house advantage app and check out our daily player prop contests without having to make a deposit Play in public guaranteed cash prize pool contests or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up and they'll match your first deposit with a $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against other users and track in real time as you climb the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. I don't know, the Ravens didn't necessarily show me too much on Sunday Night Football against the Patriots. I thought they were probably going to be able to roll. Obviously, there was a little bit of weather aspect that uh, came into some effect, but they just haven't looked right basically all season for 2020. So, I don't know. They're not necessarily a team that I'm buying into too heavily at this point in time. So, let's switch gears. Let's go to Monday night. We talked about it a little bit. You said NFC North uh, showdown basically between the Vikings at Bears. Uh, we got a little bit of some injury situations playing out. David Montgomery is obviously not going to be back. I'm wondering how you are going to, uh, how are you looking at this from a showdown perspective? Yeah, um, it's really difficult to figure out that backfield because when Montgomery went down and the Bears were trailing, uh, Ryan Nall was was their primary pass-catching guy, and then um, Patterson was taking a lot of the, the rushing work. So I don't know what's going to happen going forward. I mean, I think I may be a little bit too high on, on Nall for this one, but – he's a guy that I would probably want to have some exposure to in showdown. And then also if we look at uh, prizepicks.com where you can get uh, your first up to a hundred dollars matched on your deposit with promo code PFF, you know, he's on there as an option at eight and a half for his over under of fantasy points. I probably would kind of stay away from that, but another guy who I think is interesting and no one's going to be excited about is Kyle Rudolph, who's six and a half points here. And with Irv Smith out, 
you know, maybe you can get some decent usage out of him. And I think tight ends at low price tight ends. Also, when we talk about from a showdown perspective are interesting because you get a touchdown and that's primarily what these tight ends are, are going to be doing. As far as fantasy scoring is concerned, you get a touchdown and you're almost automatically in an optimal lineup. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like that play. I do think with Irv Smith, he might see a little bit of increased usage. Obviously, the Vikings run a decent amount of two tight end sets, so that could play, you know, partly a role in it. But yeah, I do think that Kyle Rudolph hopefully will get more than just his few red zone targets. But if he, you know, if that's basically all he gets at this point in time, whether it has a little bit of effect, if we see a little, you know, lower scoring total, which is kind of what the market is projecting at this point in time he could still get over this number with a touchdown which i kind of like at this point in time so i'm i am glad that you actually touched on ryan nall's uh prize picks projection as well eight and a half i do feel like that's a pretty accurate line um i'm not sure what to do with it either i think that's kind of maybe will make you know a decent opportunity for some people who can project out that bears backfield better but at this point in time i'm kind of with you i'm not sure at all how it's going to break down um you know they have a, a numerous opportunity you know, numerous basically people available at this point in time outside of David Montgomery, so they could split the backfield carries, you know, in a way that we don't typically project or understand at this point in time. But I don't know. On the other side of the football, Delvin Cook has 20.0 fantasy projections on prize picks. Weather doesn't look too bad. I think we're seeing around 15 mile per hour winds, uh, pretty clear skies, no rain, like we saw basically on Sunday night football. But I'm kind of leaning towards the Vikings passing attack at this point in time. I know game script's not necessarily uh, reflecting that out as well as we thought. I think the Vikings basically moved from a one point dog to start the week. Now they're three point favorites um, at on the road, basically. So I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards Kirk Cousins. Maybe Adam Thielen's a little bit more involved. Justin Jefferson as well. But I would probably lean towards Delvin Cook under 20, 20 fantasy points. And I do think that he's probably going to be uh, the highest owned showdown player at this point. So maybe he's a spot that you would fade. Is that something that you would consider? Or are you kind of uh, thinking that Delvin Cook's basically a lock in any showdown lineup at this point? Yeah, no, no. I don't think he's a lock. Um, definitely some someone you can fade and like you mentioned he's had these blow up performances so his ownership is going to be really high yeah i mean i think cousins is an interesting play now you're going to need some help from the bears um, and some scoring from the bears or else we know that uh mike zimmer and is it would be more than happy just to run the ball 50 times right. and barely pass at all if given that opportunity so uh, i i think that's that's something you need that to fall in place for cousins to have a big a big passing game now if you, if you look through the rest of the options on here, a guy who could, like, we don't know what's going to happen in this Bears backfield, but I don't know if he, again, you, you, you kind of got to just got to throw some darts here, but, you know, Lamar Miller is being promoted from the practice squad. He's, he's new there for the Bears. He's a legitimate running back as opposed right. to Patterson, who's kind of played that hybrid. Um, he's someone where, I've just seen so many times in the past where even if you have what looks like a decently explosive option, like, like Nall, who's, who can catch the ball pretty well, coaches will still seem to fall back on the somewhat lackluster veteran who they, even if they bring them in at the last moment, um, a la Adrian Peterson to start the season and <laughs> most of the season for the Detroit lions. So uh, he's an interesting guy that you you can maybe play at the fact that he is at a, he's at the bargain minimum, you know, $200 flex price. Yeah. I mean, I do, I don't mind that at all. Basically. I do think the Mar Miller, we might see just a little bit more usage with than we would even want at this point in time. But yeah, I am with you on that, that the, that the coaches basically kind of default to this like veteran presence in the backfield, especially when there's like a little bit of 
unknown element, but I didn't necessarily. I need to go back probably and look a little bit closer at the Bears, uh, you know, snap percentages after the David Montgomery injury last week. Um, but that's not necessarily conducive to what game script they're going to see at this point in time coming up here in Week Ten. So I don't know. It is kind of an interesting match. But I'm I am going to give you two player props. I kind of want your feedback on this. Jimmy Graham under 35.5 receiving yards. I know he's been pretty involved basically, but his average depth the target I think is sitting around right around 6.6, 6.5 uh, for the whole season. He has been more involved lately, but I do think from a matchup perspective, Eric Kendricks is going to provide some difficulty. He could see some Harrison Smith as well, so I do think that if the Bears are going to win throwing the football, I think it's going to be more on the outside with guys like, uh, you know, Darnell Mooney, um, maybe a little bit of Allen Robinson, of course, stuff like that. So I'm wondering, would you target his under 35.5 receiving yards? And, and from that scenario, do you think he's probably like a fade in showdown? Yeah, I mean, I have him as being a fade in showdown. I mean, he was someone who's been kind of front of mind because of how he started off the season. He had, I think it was three touchdown passes in the first three games. And he's had a couple more touchdowns after that. I mean, he's someone who's normally hitting his number, at least from a fantasy perspective by getting in the end zone. So I like your call of going under the, the yardage prop here, especially cause I don't know, it looks like this season he had one blow up game of 60 yards, but then other than that, he has a bit, you actually know, he had another, he had 55 yards last week. So he has a couple of games over that, but then the other, um, you know, six weeks of the season, seven weeks of the season, he's been, he's been under, he's been close to that 35 number, but he's been under it. So I think it is an interesting uh, play to take, to take the under there and just assume they're going to spread the ball around a little bit more uh, on yeah. that offense. Yeah, I like that. So that's, I'm glad we're going to agree on that. I have to do one more. I got to run it by you, player prop. Adam Thielen, over 4.5 receptions. So he has not been involved very much recently. Basically, going into the bye, he had four targets. Coming out of the bye, he had four targets. And then last week, he again had five targets. But he has been basically on the field 100% of dropbacks the last two weeks. I think he was at 91% basically right before that bye week. He just hasn't been really getting the target percentage. But I think this might be a spot where he's a little bit better off. Do you think... Uh, you would potentially lean towards his over 4.5 receptions, or is that more of a spot you'd probably lay off? And then, you know, his prize picks 15 fantasy points. I think basically he'd need to get obviously over the reception total and score a touchdown to get over that. So is that a spot you'd be leaning towards the over or the under? No, I, I like the over there too. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, he started off the season with eight targets, eight targets, five, 10, 13. And then after that, it has fallen off a bit there. But like you mentioned, he's out on the, he's out there, he's running routes. So there's no reason from that type of usage perspective for you to be concerned. And unless you think he suddenly isn't good anymore, or isn't someone who deserves to be targeted. And there's a little bit of a narrowing of the targets there. I mean, Ursula, like Ursula Jr. We mentioned earlier, he wasn't getting a lot of targets anyway, but again, it just narrows it even a bit further there for someone like Thielen to jump in. And it, a lot of those things, we get a little bit of a recency bias, a little bit of what have you done for me lately? So right. uh, Thielen's a guy who could probably jump back, jump back into the mix and, you know, get double digit targets again, which would make four and a half, uh, a pretty, uh, almost a slam dunk to hit as far as uh, receptions prop. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that. I mean, basically, like we said earlier, it does kind of come down to if, the Vikings are going to 
be effective running the football with Delvin Cook. If they are, they're obviously going to ride that until they can't anymore. If that gets slowed down, which I think the Bears' defense is probably going to focus on slowing Delvin Cook down. Obviously, they have to at this point with this most recent two-game performance. So from that perspective, I do think that buying into a little bit more of the Vikings' offense is probably the correct route. So we'll see what comes of it. But it's a, it's a decently exciting Monday night football game. I know Sunday night was also uh, you know pretty high quality. We did have the over, unfortunately, that didn't quite get through there at the end. Uh, obviously, rain and wind had a factor, which I think some wind might have a factor coming up here again tomorrow night. But uh, we'll see what actually happens. So any final thoughts, Kevin? No, no, I mean, I just think it was a, it was an interesting week because there was a little bit more struggle um, for some quarterbacks and for some offenses. So I think that's something to keep track of going forward. It's just to, in, the, in a in a year where we've seen offenses and high flying performances by quarterbacks most of the year, whether or not there could be any any trend in the other direction. So that's something I'll be watching in the coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. Maybe some unders are coming up here soon uh, throughout the rest of the 2020 season. But this was fun. So. From Kevin, I appreciate you joining me again. This was Ben Brown coming up here on the Monday morning edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. We talked about some, you know, Sunday night recap. We talked a little bit of Monday night player props, showdown, prize picks, and everything else. So I hope you enjoy the Monday night action between the Vikings and the Bears. Thank you. Thank you.